0: Hello, I'm Carrie Gard, and welcome to Two Time with Tech Marketing Leaders.
1: I've learned so much just being able to be in this startup and being involved in so many different projects that I wouldn't have been at past jobs.
0: This week, I got to hang out with Kate Newins. She is the marketing manager at Beyond Identity. Kate has been in marketing, specifically SEO, for almost eight years. She has jumped industry to industry, rounding out her SEO skill set with now cybersecurity. And what an industry to jump into, especially from the industry she's come, come into. It, it feels a bit disjointed, but when she tells her story, it all comes together. Each industry comes with its own challenges, and cyber is no different. But also the challenges are, the way that she approaches those challenges from what she's learned from other places is interesting. Today, Kate and I hang out and discuss these leaps she's made, how she's been able to make them, and where she starts at each pivot. Jumping industries is no joke, but if you can find a way, wow, does it open up your world, world of possibilities. Here is my conversation with Kate. Hi, Kate. Thanks for joining me on Tea Time with Tech Marketing Leaders. Thank you so much for having me. Great, Happy to be here. Oh, so excited to have you and really excited for our conversation. But before we get there, tell our listeners, Kate, what do you do and how did you get there?
1: Yeah. So right now I'm Senior Manager of Digital Marketing at Beyond Identity. Um, My way into marketing was a little you know not rocky but just you know different turns to get there and to find what really worked well for me so um i started my career out as a content editor um at harvard university and i was you know working on content i was kind of looking you know trying to figure out how can i make it perform better how can i get more eyes on it and that's just kind of when i stumbled into seo and i was like what is seo what is keyword research what are referring domains and so i started learning more and more there and just figuring out like the, what's the best way to optimize my content to get like the most qualified audience reviewing it um and so i really enjoyed it thought it was really fascinating and you know i eventually i did some agency work for a little bit doing seo but then i found i really wanted to do in-house and focus on one brand so you know, I've worked in the legal field. I've worked in fintech. I've worked in education, obviously. And, um, I've also worked in automotive, um, at cars.com. And now I'm here at beyond identity, working in cybersecurity, um, and, you know, overseeing our content and our SEO and, you know, I'm going to be taking on more around like paid search and all that stuff. So definitely tried a lot of different things and feel like I've kind of found my footing. (laughs)
0: Yeah, you definitely jumped around about, and actually, that's going to lead perfectly into our conversation in a second. But before we get there, Kate, yeah. tell us right right now in in your life, what's one challenge you're currently facing, whether that's personal, professional, or just maybe they've merged.
1: Yeah, so beyond identity, um, which I don't think I said, but it, so we are a cybersecurity company, and we offer passwordless, unfishable MFA, and it's super exciting to be a part of. Um, but you know. We're a startup. And so it's wearing a lot of hats. And, you know, as I take on more and more responsibility, I think the biggest thing that I'm struggling with or keeps me up at night is like how to best prioritize what needs to be done in order to have the most impact. I mean, with the economy we're facing, whether we are in recession or we're going into one, I think it's the decisions we make now are so critical for our long-term success. So we want to be focusing on the things that are going to get us the most bang for our buck. And so, what is that going to be? Does it, do we need to focus more on like, you know, comp- comprehensive long um long pieces of content that are deep technical pieces, or do we need to be focusing more on you know like um paid search and like really refining our keywords there to get the, you know, the most qualified leads coming in, you know, you know, it's figuring out what is going, what do we need to do and what needs to be done first? I think is like the biggest thing because, you know, when you're a startup, a lot of oftentimes your eyes are bigger than your stomach. And so you need to figure out, okay, like what is feasible in terms of time, effort and budget. And also with the resources that we have available, you know, that resources that can be people and that can mean tools that we have at our disposal. And, um, so there's just a lot of things to consider and like, how or what should we do and when should we do it? That is definitely a question that's coming up for lots
0: of folks, not just you. So you're not alone, which is always nice to hear. Um, yes. and it is interesting right now in terms of everybody and how they're talking about the recession. It's sort of this, like, you don't want to take your foot off the gas, mm-hmm. But you want to make sure that where where the, the car is headed and the direction yeah. it's pointing um, is more efficient is sort of yes. what I'm hearing.
1: Exactly. You want to make like, yeah, right now it's all about how, yeah, you don't want to take your foot off your gas, but we also, you want to play it smart. You don't want to be, you know, maybe before this, you could be a little bit more risky with, you know, decisions you were making or things to try. And it's like, okay, now we need to, you know, what our CEO always says is like, we need to be good stewards of our capital. And be, and so that means making smart decisions now, as we head into like some uncertain times.
0: Yes. So where are you feeling right now in terms of the priority
1: Good question. Um, I think like right now our priorities, and you know, I think we're we're going through a bit of a a shift here and kind of figuring out what our focus areas are. But like right now, we we are focusing more on doing kind of campaigns. So we're really as a team going to be more focused on you know like three specific. Themes that we're targeting. Um, and so, you know, right now with, you know, the government making the switch to zero trust and pushing phishing resistant MFA, you know, that's a big piece that we want to harp on because that's what we offer. And as you've seen all these attacks happening res- recently with like Twilio, Cisco, Uber, all that stuff, like MFA is great. But uh, it, if you're using insecure factors like passwords and one time codes and things like that, they can be easily hacked. And so we don't use stuff like that. So I think it's a great differentiator for us. Um, And, you know, as well as zero trust, we help lay the foundation for a zero trust uh, architecture. So that's another big focus area for us as well as the passwordless aspect of our product. I mean, we've always focused on the passwordless aspect of our product because everyone hates passwords. Hates. (laughs) Hates. Hates passwords. And they are so insecure. They're inevitably gonna get hacked and breached and end up in a database somewhere. So we're kind of got these like themes that we're going for. And as a team right now, we're figuring out what are we all going to do to help elevate these campaigns as much as possible? So, right now, it's, I can't tell you what exactly the priorities are because we're going, we're figuring that out as a team of like, okay, well, what does that mean for like, you know, PPC, PPC spend? What does that mean in terms of content? Do we have enough content? Do we need to refresh things? So, we're really going through a strategy. We're really going through this as an exercise as a team right now. But in terms of like our messaging, like that is what we're focusing on because this is the areas where. We've seen the most vulnerabilities and where we can help people the most.
0: It's cool to hear where you're
1: starting because I think that's
0: the hardest part of anything, especially when you're facing an uphill challenge. Like we're mm-hmm. potentially about to the recession. It's sort of like, well, I, I know that I got to go do this thing, but I don't know really where to begin. And so yeah. it's cool to know that it's really starting for you of like, what are our three main pillars? What are mm-hmm. those campaigns? And then how are we going to prioritize within those? And so mm-hmm. thank you for sharing your yeah. journey with us and that it's really helpful in mm-hmm. terms of this journey you've been on yourself <laughs> through your career and going industry to industry. Yeah. I find that, I mean, there there are definitely people who've jumped industry to industry, mm-hmm. but I find cybersecurity sort of like a um, challenge for folks to sort of make that leap, especially if they're coming from somewhere a bit more B2C mm-hmm. or, um, you know, e-commerce. And now they got to jump into this fairly technical space. So how how did you find cybersecurity or how did cybersecurity find you?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And just to speak to your point about, you know, I, I, where I've been and what I've done. So yeah, I've, I've done agency, I've done in-house, I've done B2B, I've done B2C and I've done, you know, I don't even want to count all the industries that I've been in. Um, But the way I found cybersecurity was, you know, in my last job, um, I was at cars.com, which is a much bigger organization. Um, You know, it's a public facing company, all that stuff, you know, and with that can sometimes come like red tape and stuff like and I was just really looking for a role where I could execute really quickly. And I could also try on a bunch of different hats. Um, and so startups really lend themselves well for that. So I was just on LinkedIn and this job for Beyond Identity popped up and I just applied and I I looked into it and I thought passwordless, that sounds cool. I didn't even kind of think cybersecurity. And then I um, had my first interview with who's now my boss and I was learning more about the company. And I was like, okay, passwordless backed by amazing venture capital firms Also, the founder is Jim Clark, the guy who created Netscape, you know, one of, you know, if we were making a Mount Rushmore of Silicon Valley, he'd be up there. (laughs) I was like, this has amazing potential. And then I started looking more into just the cybersecurity industry as a whole. And I was like, wow, this is an industry that is just taking off and has so much potential for growth. So just, I, I, I kind of was lining everything up and I, and I said to um my fiance, I was like, I think this job is like it. And he was like, yeah, it sounds like we're moving to New York <laughs> when you, like when I was talking about it, because it just was like, I was like, everything I've been wanted, like is in this job. And um so that's kind of how I landed into it.
0: Oh my gosh, you said some interesting things there. So when you were looking for a job, it wasn't really about the industry. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, it was more about where can I have the most room to grow and be able to gather different and learn new skill sets that I just couldn't at um, my last job. And it's no fault of cars.com. That just sometimes happens with like bigger organizations. Everyone has clearer roles and it's, it's just a little bit more compartmentalized. While at startups, it's like all hands on deck. So that's yeah. I definitely wasn't looking for cybersecurity in particular, but then once I kind of found it, I was like, oh wow, this works really well for me.
0: Tell me more in regards to the bigger company versus a small company. Something you said when you were talking about make you know having found um, the company you're currently at. You mentioned startup and being able to. I can't remember your exact words, but it was something around moving faster, like being.
1: It's- yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to execute projects quicker. Like, you know, uh, you know, the thing with bigger companies is, you know, they often come with more red tape. So in order to, you know, get even just like getting like content pieces up, you know, there's just, you know, someone has to review and approve the idea. And then, you know, you have to get the writer and then, you know, has to go through another review process. And then you need to get the web page up and it's like involving five different people along the way. And so I wanted to move somewhere where if I had an idea, I could and I got approved, I could just go and execute it and, you know, get the resources I need in order to get it done. And I didn't want I was just sick of things taking long, a little too long of a time. like i'm I'm it's one of my best and worst qualities at work is that I'm very impatient. (laughs) And (laughs) so I wanted to be able to just like, I have this great idea that I think is going to get so much traffic and, you know, the potential of bringing leads and, you know, here's all the reasoning behind it. And, you know, I've done the t-shirt sizing, like all that stuff. And- it just and then you start going, okay. Someone thinks that's a great idea, but then you need to talk to this person, you need to talk to this person, and then this person needs to be involved, and then you know, and then all of a sudden it's like, well, now we have a whole committee around something, and I just want to, you know, I just it's I, I always thought it was better to at least like get it off the ground. Like one of my last one of my other bosses used to say, um, we want to run fast and like get, um, oh, we wanted to get speeding tickets, not parking tickets. And that's what I was really looking for. And I was like, okay. And I really like the mentality that you have at startups a lot too, where you want to move fast and break things. So it's like, it's okay if it, if it's, if it fails, like that's Mm -hmm. fine. Well, we learned that failed and now we can move on to something else. And that's, I really love that mentality. And it, I mean, sure. It can sometimes be exhausting. You know, it's a, it's a lot of work, but I've learned so much just being able to be in this startup and being involved in so many different projects that I wouldn't have been at past jobs.
0: One of the, one of the interesting things you said, which I think a lot of startups run into it's sort of the flip side of the coin, right? So you're at a bigger company, you got to get more buy-in, you have a lot more red tape, but you have a lot more resources. So mm-hmm. once the idea does get approved, you don't have to go find the resources, especially when you're talking about content. So if you're at a startup, you have this great idea, where do you find the resources? Is it, are you are you just doing things end to end then or are you using the company, you know, the company as a whole where do you how do you get ideas off the ground when your resources are no longer endless? Yeah.
1: yeah, you know, and that's where hiring freelancers and using platforms to find freelancers has been really beneficial. And luckily, like you know, we are a smaller company, but we do have plenty of capital, so it's been it budgeting has never been too huge of a concern. Like obviously, like I still have to get approval. I'm not off buying, you know, um, you know. Uh, Picassos on like our budget or anything like that, but, um, but yeah. So um, freelance hiring freelancers has been a big part of that, and you know that comes with pros and cons, right? Is that they are very flexible, and so you can hire when you need to. But you also sometimes it takes a while to find someone who really works and understands your tone and messaging. And you know, we're still a brand shaping itself, so that's also sometimes difficult with with when you're working with someone who isn't in house. Mm -hmm. Is that like? oh, you know, we shifted away from that terminology and they didn't know about that. And so, you you know, requires more editing and things like that. Um, But I feel like we're getting in a really good space with freelancers. Um, And now we do have a content marketing manager who helps me with the whole content calendar and hiring freelancers and editing and everything like that. But for a while, it was just me managing all of our freelancers. And I think that's when having a good project management tool and your organization really comes into focus and is so key because if you aren't properly tracking things, like things are just going to fall through the cracks and you're like, oh, wow, where, where did that report go? Like we, I thought the freelancer wrote it, but it turns out they're still waiting on like an outline and a brief from me. So, so yeah, I think like it's when you're in a startup, it's much more incumbent on yourself to be able to manage your time uh, and your schedule and versus like with bigger companies where you often have like a whole team where there's a lot more people helping pick up the balls and manage things.
0: Yeah. I always say if it's not in our project management tool, it didn't happen or does not exist.
1: (laughs) Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I can't live without it. it.
0: (laughs) Nope. Nope. I mean, I think there's, I could go on a tangent about this, but I I do think because product management tools, I also think sort of freak people out. Um, but, you know, it's all it's all about how you use it. And you can yeah. over-engineer it until the cows come home. But right. you know, at the end of the day, it's just keeping track of what you're talking about, Kate, yeah. those tasks of just not having things fall through the cracks and be able to yeah. bring people in and get projects over the line. So mm-hmm. keep it simple. Keep it
1: yeah. simple. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: so how long have you been in cyber then for...
1: I've been in cyber since January, 2022, wait, no, 2021. Yeah. So I've been in, I've been with my company for about a year and eight months, year, nine months about that. Um. So yeah. So just, yeah, just shy of two years.
0: Yeah. And when this launches in January, it'll actually be, you'll be, <gasps> you'll be crossing that two year threshold. Yes. So, nice. um, yes. So it, it's a long time, but not a long time. Yeah what was the learning curve like for you?
1: I mean, it was intense, right? I mean, it's a totally new industry, but as we've talked about, luckily I have experience with this. Um, but yeah, so I, I was really lucky that I was able to take two weeks off in between jobs. Oh, so smart! I was, yeah. And I, I was lucky, but I was also, strategic about it because I knew that it was going to be necessary and that it would be so much more beneficial for the company and for me to have that time off in order. Cause what I did with those two weeks was I just read everything I could about our company. I, I, I literally sat down and read every single web page that was on our company, any like news that we were mentioned in, I read that. And then I, you know, I was talking, I read through all our old press releases, everything, and then on top of that, I um, asked my soon-to-be boss, not not my boss, um, I said, send me stuff to read, you know, give me information. And so I just started diving into, you know, reading ZDNet and darkreading.com, you know, and all those, you know, data breach today, like all that stuff to just get a better understanding. Like, you know, I knew the basics of cybersecurity from, you know, all those little informational classes you have to take when you start a new job on like what is phishing, you know, what don't click on a, you know link that seems suspicious kind of stuff. So I mean, I knew like the basics of like what is phishing, what's ransomware, what's multi-factor authentication and everything like that. But that was just very very surface level and I wanted to dive deep and start understanding, you know, asymmetric encryption and you know, what is a TPM and what's a secure enclave and all that stuff. So, um it I I really sat down and did my homework because I knew, I I knew I needed it. And I knew, especially when it comes, you know, I was coming in at first, just managing the SEO program, but you know, that still requires me doing keyword research. And I want to understand, you know, what are the keywords I'm researching? Do they actually make sense for our brand and the product we have? Because As you know, cybersecurity is a really broad field. So there's lots of things we could be, I could be doing keyword research on that have nothing to do with our product and what we offer. (laughs) So I was like, I really need to get the best understanding that I can. And then the other thing I did when I started was I set up meetings with everybody on the marketing team. And I said to them, tell me, give me a name of someone that I should talk to at the company. And so every person and then I would go talk to them and I say, give me a name of someone I should talk to at the company because we were all remote. We, we go into the office like one day a week now, but back then we were all remote. And so it was so helpful just going from person to person, just learning their experience. It's also helps you just get a better understanding of the culture of the company, but also just was great learning to be like, okay, explain to me this, you know, this topic in cybersecurity, explain to me, you know, tell me exactly why push notifications can be like hacked in MFA. So just getting to really dive deep with experts at our company um, has been so valuable.
0: Interesting that you took two weeks off. Normally people take time off between companies to do nothing or go on vacation or uh, binge Netflix until the cows come home, catch up on all those shows that they missed while they were overworked. Uh, So I'm fascinated with the fact that you actually took time off to work. What was your decision in not waiting to be in the office to then do all this research? Why start ahead of time?
1: Well, (laughs) my, my fiance says I'm a workaholic, but maybe so that might play a little bit into it. But I, the one, the, I do have a very strong work ethic, which is part of that. But I think too, was like, I knew that there was going to be a ton of opportunity coming into this company. And I wanted to show them that, I can step up to the plate and that I can really be of service and value to the company. So I wanted to really start off on the right foot by, by showing I've done some research, you know, I'm by no means an expert after just two weeks, but I'm, I have a good understanding of the product, the solution, the audience, what we're going for, what we've done, where we're going, all that stuff. Um, so I really wanted to come in, um, like, you know, my best foot forward. And I also, you know, I just hate being in a room and, and being the only one that doesn't know what's going on, you know? So like, I was just dreading the idea of, you know, showing up for like a month for a weekly marketing meeting and them talking about something and me going, I I don't know what that is, you know? So, um, so yeah, I knew by preparing myself as much as possible that it was going to let me hit the ground running faster and then inevitably, See success sooner rather than later. Instead of having to take those two weeks that I would have spent trying to just, you know, get an understanding of what we even do, um, I was able to spend those two weeks starting to execute on things.
0: I think that's amazing. And I think if you're switching industries, it makes a lot of sense to approach it that way. Uh, Just from a fact, like, you know, it's a catch 22 because you're not getting paid yet. So it's like, am I doing work that I should be getting paid for? And I know that that's sort of on people's minds. Um, I probably would have done what you did because I'm also a workaholic. (laughs) Um, But I also feel like as somebody who doesn't like being someone in the room who doesn't know what's going on, I think it's a really, if you know that about yourself, I think it's a really smart move, especially in an industry that's complicated to sort mm-hmm. of get a head start. And so yeah. hats off to you for making that happen.
1: Um, you know, but like I gotta say that comes with age. Um, you know, if this was five years ago, I probably might not have spent two weeks. I might've been like, I'm enjoying this, you know, see, see when I see you beyond identity, you know, yeah. but I, I just knew based on what I've had to go through before trying to figure like out an industry, like I'm like, this is going to make my life so much easier and so much less stressful. If I just start doing the homework now.
0: And did it, did you feel like when you, when you hit the ground running in those first few weeks, did you feel like that did really
1: did give you a leg up or, or was it just like a nice to have? No, it was definitely helpful. It was really helpful because you know, just like I said, just the understanding of the product and the solutions like I that I, I never would have had if I hadn't spent that time kind of doing the more intensive research. And it, it was really beneficial. I, I I don't I can't recommend everyone that you take two weeks off in between jobs because I know that's just not possible and feasible for some people. But if you can take some time off uh, and do some research on the company, it's in, in, in the industry, it's incredibly fruitful.
0: So that was one of my questions. Was your, was your uh, research primarily around the company or did you, you did straddle it with the industry as well?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So it was one of those things where I'd be reading something on our site and if I didn't understand what it meant, then I would start, you know, doing a deeper dive. Like, you know, for example, like you know, we um, store credentials uh, in the TPM or the secure enclave of, you know a device. And I was like, well, I don't even what's a secure enclave? What's a trusted platform module? And so that just, you know, and I would always let myself stop and then go do research on that. and you know, and so you just start kind of, diving into like, okay, well, this is what a trusted platform module is. This is secure enclave. And then you just start kind of going down a rabbit hole of things of like, okay, I knew what ransomware was, what is, but I didn't know what like ransomware as a service was, you know. So then I would start diving into that. And so, you know, I let myself go down these rabbit holes of learning more terminology that's just used in the industry as a whole and that um is in, you know, it's tangentially tied to our product, but it just helps me better understand you know what problems are our customers facing? Like, what do they need help solving? Like what's their biggest concerns right now? So, yeah, it was both it was both the the company and, you know, general industry knowledge. Do you do this
0: everywhere you go, like because you've jumped industries a couple times, or is this like it to your point of had I had I known this when I was younger, maybe I would have done this. But um, is this has this come with age or is this something you've always done?
1: I've done it. A little bit at past jobs this was the most intense that i was about it um but yeah like you know when i i switched to i did insurance for like a little bit so i did um, i did um some researching there i haven't been as lucky to be able to take this much time off in between jobs so it's usually like over the weekend before the job starts is trying to like cram things in um but yeah this has definitely been the most I've done for a job. Um, just like, cause like what I said before with just with age and, and with my prior experience, just of switching jobs, I, I knew like, this is going to make my life easier if I just put in the time now.
0: So once you get into a job, you have all this lovely knowledge that you, you know, thank you college for teaching us how to cram. Um, <laughs> and so once you're sort of in the throes of the of getting your feet under you at the job and in this new industry, where do you 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 mentioned that you go person to person, which is great. Um, people are willing to meet with you. Like there isn't any challenges with that. It was pretty smooth. And in, in getting to meet the team, or did you find like people were bailing or they weren't sure what they were supposed to be doing or why they were here? Like how how you get people to co- come and hang out with you and teach you more about cybersecurity and the yeah. product.
1: And I give Beyond Identity's culture major props for this is that it is really from the top down. You can talk to anybody. Like I really right now could Slack our CEO with a question and he would respond. Maybe not immediately because he's busy, but I wouldn't, I don't feel uncomfortable doing that. And the same goes for our CTO, Jason Casey. He is incredibly knowledgeable, has a PhD in this stuff, like literally, and he is he explains concepts in a way that is very easy for someone new to this to understand so you know having and that go i mean that goes for a lot of our senior engineering group um you know our founding engineer nelson mello like i he's fantastic i can go to him with what i think are like the dumbest questions and he'll sit down and go through it with me so that is something i give um our team major props on that it has been this way from the very beginning that Everyone always has an open door policy. like the door they might be like, hey, I can't talk to you like the second, but just look at my calendar and put time on it. Um, so that has been incredibly helpful and I if I, if we didn't have that, it would be it would have been much more of a struggle, right? you know if people okay. were like I don't have time to meet like figure out like figure this out somewhere else you know um and so but it's just been so great because these people are just bona fide experts in the field are sought out by you know um magazines uh you know industry publications all that stuff to get their quotes on on you know recent events and things like that and they're here at my disposal to like ask questions or have them review a piece of content to make sure everything's factually accurate. Um, but yeah, I mean, and if, if you don't have that, your company, I mean, you are facing a bit of an uphill battle, but hopefully there are some people that you can at least, you know, have as like trusted advisors for questions or concerns about, you know, am I hitting, am I messaging this right? Is this on point? Um, so, but yeah, I I give Beyond Identity a lot of props because no one is too big for their britches like to talk to me, which is great.
0: That's amazing. Yeah, I yeah. think that's so important. And it also allows everybody to be saying the same thing, mm-hmm. especially around the product and the mission of the product, and in relation to the industry and what problems you're trying to solve, which is a very technical problem. So, mm-hmm. I think it's really key to the success of any complex tech company to have this sort of open door policy with boundaries, yeah. of course, to your point. <laughs> yes. But um, I just can't imagine coming into a company like this and not being able to sit down with folks and be like, okay, from your perspective,
1: mm-hmm. how does
0: this thing work? Yeah, Why does this thing exist? Why yeah. are here? What do you, you know, tell me more about, you know, what cyber means to you. So I think that's really important and key to finding your feet after you've done your initial homework, so to speak.
1: Yeah, and what's also great is a lot of these people personally know CISOs or other CTOs or security professionals and know how they think, how they talk. You know what their concerns are, what is you know what's keeping them up at night. And I I don't I don't know many people like that, so they they provide me also with that insight into like a CISO doesn't care about that or you know or hey and um I, identity and access management you know, manager really cares about this. And we need to make sure we are extremely factual and accurate and technical with like topics like this, which is also very valuable.
0: Yeah. You almost have like a internal customer success, like customer uh, (laughs) profiling team, you know, who who live it themselves um, and know exactly what the client is thinking. Cause they are like, they would be, if they weren't at, (laughs) at your company, they'd be at another company doing the exact same thing and buying similar products. So yes, exactly. Incredibly helpful to have people building the product for essentially themselves. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So tell me, Kate, in all of your years of bouncing around industries, Mm -hmm. you know, looking back now, because I love how you talk about how age has brought you so much knowledge and how to approach these, you know, approach these switches. What's one thing you wish you had known Think about the very first time you switched industries. Yeah. What's one thing you wish you had known going into a new industry and and a new product and a new company?
1: Got it. I also just want to say for the record, I'm not like 60 or something. Like I, no, I, I know. no, no, no. Yeah, I know. I just like I've been talking about like how my age, you know, all this stuff. I'm like I'm in my 30s, yeah. but like you know, so but still, you know, it's been enough that I feel like I I, I have some experience. Um, but yeah, kind of my first time. You know what, my biggest learning lesson has been is trust your gut. Like if your gut is saying this isn't going to be a fit for you, but some, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, um, you know, I've had places where I'm like, oh man, I don't, I don't know if this is going to work out, but then you, you see that salary dangling in Mm -hmm. front of you, or you see like those nice benefits or like, you know, the CEO is calling you to personally kind of try and get you to come over or something like that. And you're like, oh, okay, I, I think I can make it work. Like you, you really got to listen to your gut. Every time I haven't listened to my gut, it has blown up in my face, like it is for sure. And so I I really encourage, and I really, especially, I think this goes really strongly for women is l- listen to your gut. Like it's, you know, if something's feeling weird, something's feeling uncomfortable, something's just not feeling right about the company or, you know, the position that you might be taking, like don't, don't do it. You know, they're, this market's really good for employees right now. Like, you know, you, you have, a a you have time and time is no, I don't know if time's on your side, but, but the industry, the job market's on your side right now. And so, yeah, I would just trust your gut. If it's telling you it's, if it's giving you a little queasy feeling, don't, don't take it and understand why. Because I think a lot
0: of the advice you've given throughout the show, too, is leading to some great questions you can ask within an interview, Mm -hmm. right? What resources do you have available uh, in terms of onboarding? Who, you know, what's your policy in terms of uh, going and talking to people? Yeah. understanding, you know, how they're going to support you in this transition. They know you're not coming from a cybersecurity background, yeah. but it shows you or they want you to be there. Why like lean into that for sure. And make sure that it's a good culture fit from that perspective of, of that yeah. support.
1: And I think you just brought up something important too, is that knowing what's important to you when you start looking for new roles, like it, that took me a while to figure out um, what, what do I care about? You know, for some people, culture isn't that big of a deal. And it's all about the compensation for other people. Like, you know, culture is a huge fit, uh, a huge deal. And they're willing to take like a smaller salary in order to like have a place where they really like it. And, you know, like I said, too, like people like you, you might be you really need to know like what budget you're gonna have available, you know, for additional resources and all that stuff. Like that might be very important to you. So figuring that stuff out before you go into the interview process, I think, is really key as well. And so you have those questions ready to ask. And if that, and I also like, I would, I always encourage people like. You can ask to talk to more people at the company during the interview process. If you're trying to figure it out, like, feel free to ask, like, hey, I know you can't really speak to this. Is there someone there that I can talk to about this particular topic or something like that? Like, you don't have to be, you know, just stuck with the people that you have originally scheduled for your interviews. You can always ask to talk to more people. And if they don't let you, then that's kind of a warning sign. A bit (laughs) of a red flag. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yes. No, I love that. Especially if you're going on the, you know, I've only come from the agency side. I haven't been on the brand side. So I mm-hmm. really love what you're saying in terms of really getting outside. it sounds like you almost stepping outside of the marketing department and seeing who else, what are the resources in terms of t- team members you're going to be vibing with. I remember taking a job, um, at a company is actually the company I started, I worked at right before this one. And mm-hmm. I took the job merely because I got to meet so many people and a couple folks outside of the marketing, de- like outside of the, um, media department. And I was mm-hmm. like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to be able to work a strategy and I'm going to work with yeah. creative and I'm going to work with these really smart people. And like, yes, that's, that's really what I want to be doing. I don't want to just be I, in, at my current job at the time, I was just working in media. So it was mm-hmm. so nice, this idea of being able to branch out. And so I love what you're saying in terms of, you know, looking at your current situation and looking out to what opportunities there are and and being able to go find that thing that's gonna sit right with you. It's it's a good point. The the job market is, um it's really tough to find as somebody who's been hiring lately, like yeah. it's really tough to find really great, folks who would do very specific things that we're trying to find right yeah. so if you have that specialty even if it's in a different industry you know take that skill to to another industry they'll be happy to have oh, you yeah yeah
1: yeah and that's also your point about like if you're a little nervous about transitioning industries right now kind of a good time because they really need you <laughs> and so there's like they'll probably be more open to you know hiring people outside of you know for example cybersecurity and providing with them with the resources that they do need to like you know take or you know or, or invest in to get those skills and the understanding that they need in order to succeed at the role.
0: Yeah, for sure. Last question for you before we head in my people first questions here. One of the things you said is we've definitely been talking primarily about switching industries, which I think is key. But in switching industries, you tend to switch to your point and your journey, switch company sizes, right? You went from Mm -hmm. a very big company at cars.com to now the cybersecurity startup. So what's sort of your advice there in Mm. making this transition from having all these resources at your fingertips to now having to get a bit more creative? You yeah. mentioned which is great anything else that you'd sort of help people
1: think yeah about? and to your point i've worked at companies of all different sizes like harvard's massive and then i also then i, I went to an agency where there were literally eight people <laughs> and then and then you know i'm at a company like cars.com where it's like over a thousand you know and now i'm here and it's not that we're tiny but you know compared to like cars at harvard we're 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 pretty small um You know, I think when I've worked at bigger companies, the, when I work, let me start that over. Like when we work, when I've worked at smaller companies, I found the people that I worked with is much more important than when I go to bigger companies, because if you can't find, you know, everyone wants like a work bestie or, you know, someone that is easy to like that they can collab with, collaborate with and bounce ideas off of and, that's easier to find at a bigger company because there's a lot more people, you know, like my marketing department at, when I was there at cars.com, like, I mean, there was like over 70 people. So if I needed, you know, to ask a question or just needed to, you know, vent or, you know, just wanted to like, Oh, I'm, I'm thinking about this idea. Like, who do you think I can talk to about it? Like that, that's easier to find at a bigger company. Cause there's just more people. Um, and so at a smaller company, that's a little bit more difficult. So I, I find too, like, that the culture at smaller companies even tends to matter more because there's just so few of you. And if there's one rotten apple, it's super obvious like, and much more difficult to work with. So, um, you know, not that a rotten apple at a big company works either, but it's easier to kind of work around them and it not impact your day to day as much, um, as much as it does when you're like literally working next to that person and there's like they're the only person you can work with on the project and things like that. So, yeah, I at smaller companies I think it's better to really get to know as many people as possible before you start to really get an understanding for like the vibe and you know, are they going to be easy to work with? Like what's their attitude like? What are they going to be like to collaborate with, communicate with, like all that stuff. So, Yeah, I think that's a lot more important to get an understanding of in terms of, you know, if you're going to a smaller company versus a bigger company.
0: Such a good point. Yep, such a good point. I have many stories (laughs) that I want to
1: write down. Don't we all,
0: oh. <laughs> we all Kate, yeah. this was so awesome. I think as people are looking for their next thing, hopefully they feel a bit more comfortable and confident in switching, not only industries, but also going from a big company to a smaller startup and what that mm-hmm. could mean for them in terms of their skill sets, getting used in a, in a broader way, which is exciting. I mean, at least I am with you. I find that exciting. Yeah. Um, is there any one last? Is there anything that we didn't mention that you just wish folks would know in relation to this topic today?
1: Yeah, I think there's one thing. I just want to be really clear: is like just go for it. Like you know, it's. I mean, granted, I'm I'm in a very. I, I'm I'm. I say I'm. I've been talking about like my age, but I am still a little younger. You know, I don't have kids. I you know I don't have a mortgage to pay for and things like that. But you know, I still obviously have bills. But I do think like just giving yourself the permission to try is really important. And I especially think for women as well. I mean, we've always, we've all heard those stories, right. Where women are like, they have to meet eight of the 10 requirements before they feel like they can apply for the job. Um, and, you know especially in seo seo community like there's a lot of people that are really nervous from going from agency to in-house and my advice is always just just try it you know if it doesn't work out then you leave and find another job or it could be the best decision of your life and it's also i think two people get so wrapped up in this but like marketing is marketing and seo is seo right like you have th- these skills that you understand like are going to translate yes there's you know the industry that you have to understand and maybe New kids and terminology, but your hard skill set is still going to transfer, and it might be a little bit bumpy at first. But I, I, if you think it's going to be a good fit for you, then just try it.
0: I love that. I'm going <laughs> to leave it right there. Yeah. Um. Okay, real quick, our people first questions because you're more than a marketer, and I love what you said in terms of. I think it's important to mention, like we we have talked about your uh, your experience. But I think that comes with not your age, but the fact that you've taken these leaps of faith and you've moved around a lot and you've even moved to New York city. Like that yes. is no small, I have lived in New York city. <laughs> it is no small feat to move to that yes. city. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's just, you know, leaning into your experience in terms of getting to know you beyond being a marketer, even a yeah. little bit further. Tell me, Kate, if, have you picked up any new hobbies in the last few years?
1: Oh, new hobbies. You know, I um, you know, I keep mentioning my fiance, which means I have a wedding to prepare for. And with that comes often and with most brides are trying to get a better shape. And I used to be a really big runner. Um, I actually ran the Chicago Marathon like seven, six, seven years ago, but my knees are shot now. And so I've been really trying out just like a bunch of different new exercises. And so like, I really have just given myself permission to just, you know, stuff I used to be kind of nervous to try. Like, you know, I'll try kickboxing or, you know, I'll try spinning and stuff like that. So my new thing has been just like, trying all different types of exercises and classes and things like that. Um, And, you know, whether it be bar or, you know, some hit class or something like that, um, it's been really fun. And it's been really fun getting back into exercise um, because for the longest time, I was like, well, if I can't run, then I can't do anything. And now, you know, just talking about giving permission to people to try, you know, different things. That's what I've been doing. (laughs) I gave myself permission to, you know, do kickboxing in my living room and look a fool while doing it but you know, who's looking at me, my dog, you know, that's
0: <laughs> <it>. <laughs> I love that. I did bar, um, when I lived in Seattle for the same reason, cause I shot my knees and my hips. So yeah. it was awesome. And I absolutely loved it. And I, it was, but it was hard. It was hard to like, sort of move into like this, yeah. what is this? And how do I do this? And I have to be in front of all these other women. And it's really scary, but yeah, exactly. Um, love the beautiful thing about bar. And I think a lot of folks, a lot of places do this now where they really look at like, they don't care. Like they give you a ton of modifications. They tell you to do what you could do. And they're just like, it's so supportive and wonderful. So yay to try new things. Yes, for sure. Uh, Second question for you. Uh, If you could be with your team, it sounds like y'all get together once a week, which is awesome. Um, You know, if you could have a song playing overhead to sort of set the vibe, what would that song be?
1: (laughs) You know, I would probably go with, um, New York groove by ACE freely. I like it. I like that song. It's like got the right, like kind of tempo. That's like a good productive tempo. And you know, we are back in the New York groove here in New York city. I feel like we're finally getting our groove back after the pandemic.
0: Oh, that's so great to hear. It's so great to hear. I miss New York. Um, Last question for you, Kate, if you could travel to anywhere in the world with no long lines and no red tape and no vaccination passes and no having to test here, there, everywhere for COVID, yeah. where would you go and why? <sighs>
1: I, I know exactly where it is and I will get there one day. I want to go to Lake Como in Italy and I want to rent an Airbnb that has a balcony that looks over Lake Como and I want to have delicious Italian wine oh. and pasta and bask in the Tuscan sun. I don't yes. even know if it's technically the Tuscan region, but you get what I'm saying. I
0: get what you're saying. And yes <laughs> to all of that. And let me know when you're there. I'll come join you. It'd be great. Yes.
1: <laughs> Kate,
0: this was wonderful. Thank you so much for joining me.
1: Oh, this was fantastic. Thanks. And have me back anytime.
0: (laughs) I will take you up on that. (laughs) That was my conversation with Kate Newins. Are you thinking about joining a new industry and want to learn more from someone who has paved the way? Then be sure to connect with Kate on LinkedIn. Link is in the show notes. Thank you for listening. If you found this episode helpful, please subscribe, like, and share. This episode was brought to you by MKG Marketing, our agency that accelerates the mission of cybersecurity vendors via SEO, digital ads, and analytics. It's hosted by me, Carrie Gard, CEO and co-founder of MKG Marketing, music mix and mastering done by Austin Ellis. And if you'd like to be a guest, please visit mkgmarketing.com to apply.